I'm Julia Sherbakov, and this is Impact Journey. Conversations with hidden heroes making big societal change. There's now a trend to say, wait, we need to understand more about this. How am I making money? What are the impacts that my money has in the world as I'm making it? Uh, younger generations of investors, and as more women take prominent roles in investing, that impact factors are becoming more important. So I think that the trend is positive, but will we move money fast enough to really solve the problems that are ahead? Today, I'm happy to welcome Chad Spittler. About his impact, Chad is founder and CEO of Third Economy, a sustainable investment advisory. Now, we've had a lot of interest in the impact investing topics. So about his journey, two things were fascinating here. First, Chad really lays out a lot of the basics, like the difference between ESG and impact investing. And secondly, he spent 15 years at BlackRock, the world's biggest asset manager. And what was fascinating for me here is to hear about what it was like on the inside and what he thinks it'll take to make sustainable investing mainstream. As always, rate, review, subscribe, and send any comments or suggestions to impactjourneypodcast at gmail.com. And enjoy this conversation with Chad Spittler. I'd love to hear your path up till this point. I saw your Twitter profile, your mission to make sustainable investing mainstream. Where did that yeah. come from for you? Well, I got involved in investing as an environmentalist Oh, because I've studied natural resources. In my academic pursuits, I really came to conclude that economics were the driver behind a lot of the environmental issues that we were facing. And that if we wanted to solve environmental and social problems, we really needed to look at our economic systems. Well, when you're first starting out, that's a pretty lofty goal. Like, what job do you apply for? <laughs> <laughs> so I started as a stockbroker selling stocks and bonds over the phones. And most of my friends who knew me as an environmentalist are like, well, what? What's going on with you? How did you get a job as a stockbroker? Like, right. And also, <laughs> why? Did you already have a bigger vision in mind when you did that? I did. I said, this is a gap in my knowledge base. I've developed this theory of change for the kind of impact I want to have in the world. And for me to execute on that theory, I need to know more about the traditional investment field. And um, I'm going to use that information to figure out how to make a change. So after a short stint selling stocks and bonds, I realized I didn't really enjoy the sales aspect. Uh, yeah. I was really interested more in the analytical components. So I became a market analyst and realized I was really good. Actually, the different academic background that I had gave me a different way of thinking about companies and thinking about the markets. And so got promoted and ended up with a role at Barclays Global Investors in corporate strategy. And that was a really fun role because I worked in a bunch of different projects and had a real global perspective of how the organization 
operated. One of the projects was shortly after Enron, look at our corporate governance program and come up with a strategy. And that was a really exciting one for me. It was kind of the first time in my career where I started to see my environmental interests integrate it back into my financial role. Because through corporate governance, all of a sudden, there was the opportunity to think about environmental and social shareholder proposals and the role of corporations in society, how they're governed and managed and how people are incentivized. Yeah. And that's interesting, too, because it's kind of sneaking in the back door of <laughs> impact because as an environmentalist to first go into stocks and bonds, then into the research side is people don't usually think about governance as where the impact is going to come from. But it's interesting that you saw the value of it. Yeah, it really is the basis via which companies are controlled. So the opportunity to work on governance was a real eye opener for me. And so what did you learn from that process? Well, we really did start with globalizing our corporate governance program. And then through the principles for responsible investment started to evolve from governance to ESG and responsible investing. And so, for people who don't know ESG, it technically stands for environmental, social and governance. But in this case, are you talking using those as filters for the non-financial metrics in the portfolio to analyze how the companies that you're investing in are doing on environmental, social, and governance metrics. Yes, I view ESG as an analytical framework. Helps investors understand potential drivers of financial value for the long term that have traditionally been under-considered in investment analysis. When I was at BlackRock, I, I used to say, we'll leave no rock unturned in our analysis of a company. And so to me, ESG is another way to understand financial value drivers. Yeah. Um, so as we really started to move from voting and engagement to ESG analysis, then it was about, well, how do we apply ESG to the different types of portfolios that we have? So in an active portfolio, you can use ESG to help make buy or sell decisions. If you've got two companies on par, could ESG be a differentiator to help you pick a better hmm. company? And use ESG to identify potential risk in your portfolio and try to improve their practices. If you're going to be invested in them, make them as good as you can be. Oh, interesting. So what you're saying is in having ESG, sustainable, responsible investing, you can influence in at least those two ways in what you choose to buy. But if you already have it in your portfolio, then you've got a bit of power. You can actually then talk to the management in the company as a shareholder. So this is the debate around divestment. Once you've divested, you lose your voice. When I think about the tools available to investors to invest sustainably, I've come up with an acronym, VIA3. So yeah, walk me through your, your framework. So VIA3 is the tools in your investment portfolio. So the first tool is you have values-based investing, which is essentially legacy, socially responsible investing or negative screening. Values-based would be avoiding things that are inconsistent with your values. You're an environmental firm, so you don't want to invest in fossil fuels. Then you have impact investing, and that's really thinking about the consequences that your investments have. And are you intentional and trying to have some sort of an impact with regards to your investment portfolio? A, analysts. 
your analysis of the ESG factors. So are the companies sustainable in their business models and their use of natural resources and human capital and their governance structures? Activism or, or active ownership, your voting and engagement. And then last, alignment with the sustainable development goals. So essentially, if you think about all of the different ways in which investors try to invest sustainably, you can categorize them into one of those five buckets. So when I look at portfolios, I reflect on their use of these tools and uh, how effective they are and whether or not um, they're using all of them to the full extent that they can. Got it. So let me see if I can recap those. So it's VI and then AAA. Exactly. So it's values-based, which is screening out or not investing in certain things. I is for impact. So what's the end result of the product or the service? That could also be environmental or social. Absolutely. How many jobs did you create? What kind of natural resources are you consuming? And what are the impacts as a result of that consumption? Different question than the a for analysis around ESG. You can have a really well-performing ESG oil and gas company, but it still has the impacts of the GHG emissions. So to me, impact is a different question than ESG. Got it. So we've got values, impact, and then the three A's were analytics, activism, and? Alignment. Alignment. With the sustainable development goals. Ah, got it. And so is this framework the new thing that you're using or where did this come from? Well, I started using it in our advisory business, working with investors on developing their capabilities. Then I realized there were applications for our corporate clients as well, thinking about how a corporation fits within the capital markets and the kinds of products and services that they offer. So where we're going next with this is we're actually going to be developing a rating system where we're going to evaluate investment products using the VIA3 framework to help potential investors in those funds assess if the investment fund is aligned with the things that they care most about. If you're looking at investing in a BlackRock versus a State Street versus a Calvert S&P 500 fund, how are they using these tools of sustainable investing and how do those practices align with you as a potential investor in that fund. So that's the kind of transparency that we're hoping to bring to the market. Got it. You mentioned BlackRock there too. You worked there for a while. Love to hear- 15 years. Yeah, for a good while. (laughs) Talk to me about that experience there because from what I understand, you were actually there to bring sustainable investing and make it more part of their investing strategy and then BlackRock being the biggest, right, asset manager in the world. Just curious what that experience was like for you. What was it like when you went in and, and what was the process that I you saw? At BlackRock. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a great company, really smart people, really thoughtful. They really have a lot of influence in what happens because they are the world's largest manager. I think also for me as an environmentalist, it was a little frustrating at times because of its position in the market, we had to be very moderate and middle of the road. And on one hand, that's very thoughtful. But on the other hand, if you are trying to affect change, as I am personally, you can feel a little handcuffed. So it's really exciting for me to be out on my own now, because I can align my own business with my own personal objectives more than I was able to do uh, while I was at BlackRock. 
Yeah. And what were you able to do at BlackRock? Now, it's funny because I, I work with mostly corporate clients and a lot of actually will cite Larry Fink's letter to CEOs in the last couple of years <laughs> yes. as the example of, look, guys, investors are looking for sustainable companies. But I imagine before he ever wrote that letter, there was a whole process behind the scenes of internal evaluation and consideration of what does it mean to invest responsibly and sustainably? I'm just curious what, what part in that you were able to see. Yeah, well, I was there when we came up with the idea of starting Larry's letter. And really what happened was not only BlackRock, but all other large managers were under pressure to be more transparent about how they thought of their role as large owners in essentially every company. When you control essentially 5 to 10% of every company in the world, that's a lot of responsibility. It's incumbent upon you to provide the markets with some insights into what that means to you and how you manage that responsibility on behalf of the broader good of society and on behalf of your clients, of course. So that was really the impetus was external pressures and internal recognition that this responsibility was something that we really needed to address. So coming up with the Larry letter idea, it was really a combination of our team at the time, which was called the Corporate Governance and Responsible Investment Team, and corporate communications, and, and obviously Larry's input and his personal team. And I've tracked them all since. It's really interesting to follow the progression. Yeah. The first letter was very much sort of traditional governance and engagement. And that's been a theme throughout all of the letters, the relationship between companies and their shareholders and developing constructive mutual dialogue. How it evolved was really fascinating because now you see Larry talking about purpose. What is mm -hmm. the purpose of a corporation? And I've done word clouds of his letters and sustainability and ESG are in the later letters, but they weren't words that were used in the earlier letters. Oh, interesting. And I, yeah. And I think that was intentional. We came out thinking strategically that we need to address the more traditional governance aspects of being such a large owner. But I think over time, it's been more comfortable to start to talk about sustainability and ESG and use that language in the letters. So it's been a really fun process to be a part of and now to watch from the outside as it continues to evolve. Yeah. And it's interesting, right? Because as you said, a fund manager that owns 10% of almost every company in the world has so much impact. And I imagine that's where you probably saw the Via 3 play out. So beyond just writing a letter, right? The, the letters at the tip of the iceberg, I imagine. Yes. Having the experience that I had there really gave me insights into the market that you wouldn't necessarily get working at a smaller manager. BlackRock has essentially every type of investing under its roof, every asset class, and is in every market. So leading the function that I did gave me a macro view of what's happening in the world. And now my objective is to take that view and to help build more sustainable capital markets. Now we've done a bit of looking back, but now looking forward and what you want to do. Tell me about Third Economy, what it is, why it's called Third Economy. Yeah, so a Third Economy is hopefully going to be a sustainable one. It's a play on a couple of things. We've got a, a pre and post industrial economies. So I'm thinking that's one and two. So number three is going to be sustainable. And it's also a play on Third Rock, so an Earth-based economy. 
how I'm hoping to build a third economy or a more sustainable one is through a series of tools. So one is to start to rate investment products from a sustainability perspective. So you can think of it as uh, consumer reports of sustainable investing so that investors have more transparency and understanding around what they're investing in and um, what kinds of impacts those investments have in the world. So that's the rating aspect. Then there's the research, which is really trying to improve transparency and get that to the markets so that we can make better investment decisions. And then the third part of our business is the advisory piece, which is helping companies use our ratings and research to become more sustainable and helping investors use that in their portfolio construction. So it's really a three-point plan between ratings, research, and advisory to overhaul the capital markets and make them more sustainable. Mm, yeah. To circle back around to your environmentalist roots, what have you seen in your work in, in BlackRock, working in sustainable investing, and even now at Third Economy, that the environmentalist in you is grabbing onto and is motivated by in all of this? Well, I think it's really exciting that we're starting to see investment products now that are focused on impact. So I was just reading yesterday, BlackRock's Renewable Energy Fund reached over a billion dollars in assets. That's fantastic that people are thinking about investing in a way that makes them money, but also helps shift our energy infrastructure towards renewables. It's that kind of alignment that I think is the direction of the fund industry. And it goes to my point before about ESG versus as impact. You know, renewable energy, in my view, is an impact play. And I think there's an awareness. What I saw happen actually was with the rise of indexing, there has been a disconnect between people and their assets and what those assets do. If you think about most of our money is held through 401ks or public pension funds, most people barely understand the drop-down menus that they have to pick the investments for their 401ks, let alone the impacts that those investments are going to have in the world. So I think that there's now a trend as a result of that disconnect to say, wait, we need to understand more about this. How am I making money? What are the impacts that my money has in the world as I'm making it? So it's really nice. And I think part of this is a generational shift. We're seeing market research around demographics indicating that uh, younger generations of investors and as more women take prominent roles in investing, that these impact factors are becoming more important to them individually. So I think that the trend is positive, but will we move money fast enough to really solve the problems that are ahead? That's the concern that I have. And that's really where I'm trying to position my firm to help. I don't know if you saw one of the people I interviewed was Jennifer Price from Calvert Impact Capital. Calvert is a really interesting one. I think they do great work. The challenge right now is disclosure. So if it's not disclosed, essentially you don't get credit for it. The data tends to skew more favorably towards big companies. They seem to be getting credit for being more sustainable, but I don't think that's actually the case. I think that some of these smaller but more impact-focused investments could really be more sustainable, but they're harder to understand because you don't have the transparency into them. We've got to get disclosure from these smaller, more impactful investments into the market 
so that they can also be included in our path towards trying to create a more sustainable and just world. Yeah, that makes sense. So last question, what do you do in your spare time to keep energy and hope going? I mean, the work is quite serious. There's a lot to be done, but I'm just kind of curious how you round it all out. <laughs> That's a great question. I was just complaining about not having so much spare time. But <laughs> I love what I do and I'm very passionate about it. Family is my next big priority. So last night, for example, my niece was dancing at the halftime show of the Golden State Warriors. No way, so we that's amazing. Yes, and got to support my niece and her dance team at halftime. So that was really fun. There's a lot more that we could talk about, but at least it gives us a starting point to get some people a bit more curious about different parts of impact investing and just understanding ESG. So thank you for explaining that and for telling me about your journey. Yeah, well, thank you for your interest and thanks for getting the information out. I hope people do find it informative and take some action. Think about what's in your portfolio and the impacts that it's having in the world. Look for tools to make better investment decisions. Yeah, that's really good advice. Thanks for that. A big thanks to Chad Spittler. You can follow his work at thirdeconomy.com. This has been Impact Journey. See you next time.